Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Tuesday is primary election day in Texas, as voters will head to the polls to determine who their party's nominee will be come the midterms in November. I'm Chris Blake, and today we'll discuss some of the key races on the ballot. The state's top three elected officials, Governor Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and Attorney General Ken Paxton, all Republicans, are up for re-election this fall. Democrats haven't won a statewide election in Texas since 1994, when Bob Bullock won his second term as lieutenant governor. Locally in North Texas, are there any incumbents who are vulnerable in the primary? And Texas's 30th congressional district seat is open for the first time since its inception after the retirement of Democrat Eddie Bernice Johnson. The Texas legislature also drew new congressional, state house and senate, and board of education maps last year, so this is the first election using maps based on the 2020 census data. To talk about the statewide races, we'll hear from KRLD reporter Chris Fox in Austin. And to zero in a little bit more locally, I'll talk to KRLD anchor Mitch Carr, who will be on the air election night with the results. Let's start statewide with Chris Fox. All right, Chris, so first of all, let's just start with the basics. How does primary voting work in Texas? When voters show up at the polls, they have to declare a party, and then they vote for that party's nominees or candidates to be nominees to run in November. So if there's a runoff election and you've already declared Republican or Democrat, then you are locked into that for the runoff as well. But in the general election, obviously, there isn't. You can vote for anyone you want to. But with primary elections, you have to declare which party. You don't have to be registered in either party. And you will find crossover. You'll find Democrats who will declare themselves Republicans so they can vote down candidates that they don't like. And, and, uh, and then they'll have to stay in that party uh, for the runoff elections as well. So one of the things that might have some people confused or that they need to check on before they go early vote or vote on election day is the new maps that were passed for congressional, state house and senate seats and state board of education. What are some of the consequences of those maps? And is there anything still up in the air for this particular election? Well, the maps are important just to know who you're voting for. So you know who to do your research on. So you know what district you're now in. Now, Texas did add two new congressional districts, and those are in uh, Houston and, and Austin. And, and in those, uh, some interesting races just because of the virtue of the, of the new maps. And uh, perhaps we'll get to that later. But in this case, we're looking at uh, multiple lawsuits against the newly drawn voting maps. And, and in this case, 
since the maps are in place right now for the primary, those maps will remain in place for the uh, November general election as well. Now, the lawsuits will still move forward, and there are multiple lawsuits on multiple levels by 10, 15 different groups of people who are, who are filing lawsuits against them over issues like discrimination, racial discrimination, discrimination for uh, disabled, uh, also election workers, election officials in Houston have filed lawsuits. The League of Women Voters has filed lawsuits on the current new maps. But as, as we are now, it, it's key to understand what district you're in so you can do the research to know who you're voting for. And, and, and who who is running in your district. I'm sure we'll get more into those uh, lawsuits and fights over the maps, maybe over the summer. They are interesting. Texas is kind of over life in lawsuits over redrawn redistricting maps. So it, it should be interesting how it plays out. And, and, and it came down to at one point, a federal judge actually drew up the maps himself. And Texas had to go with those uh, for a series of elections until they could redraw them themselves and have them not declare discriminatory in some sort of way. So to get into some of these primaries a little bit, let's start at the top. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is up for re-election in November, and the Republican primary at one point last year felt like Abbott might be a little vulnerable to a couple candidates, former state GOP chair Alan West or former state Senator Don Huffines. But Chris, in recent months, it feels like Abbott's position has strengthened and that he'll secure the nomination easily. First of all, it's very difficult to unseat a, uh, an incumbent. And in this case, yes, Abbott was attacked not only by Alan West and Don Huffines and, and the far right of the party, but the, the Republican Party itself actually sued Abbott multiple times over his reaction uh, to COVID and, and his regulations and executive orders that he issued during COVID, the mask mandates, uh, um, uh, the closure mandates. And so the Republican Party, it was interesting, it, it, it did appear to be significantly more divided back a year ago than it is now. But it, it always seems to be the case as you get closer to a general election coming up that you see that the, the unification comes back. So uh, Alan West and Don Huffines have been trying to push uh, Governor Abbott to the right on issues, and they've gotten Abbott to take stances on Republican issues like the border. Uh, that was one of the areas where where West and, and Huffines attacked uh, the governor for not being strong enough on the border. So that's why you've seen a response. And Governor Abbott's campaign has mostly gravitated around uh, the Rio Grande Valley and the border. And so most of his campaign efforts have been in that area. And, and basically, Governor Abbott has done that for two reasons. One, it solidifies the Republican base behind him who are screaming for security, security, security. But it also, what it's done is he's trying to flip the Rio Grande Valley, which is generally... Um, Hispanic, and he's trying to turn them away from Democrats and into a Republican district. And so he's spending a lot of time, even uh, tweeted about it this morning, talking about we're turning Rio Grande Valley uh, red. And so while, while everyone else talks about whether Texas is going to turn blue, the governor is very, very focused on trying to get new voters for him as well, because he's clearly got the base. He's sitting on a 60 percent of Republican voters. And, and no one is within 53% of him. So the numbers right now sure look like we're going to see an early primary night on March 1st. And, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see the election declared in a speech given before 8 p.m. and the polls close at 7. You mentioning the border, that was one of the interesting takeaways of the 2018 election when President Trump performed so well along the Rio Grande Valley. But when it comes to these primaries, with Abbott's war chest and being the incumbent and all that kind of stuff, how much of these candidacies is about pushing him to the right as opposed to candidates really, truly making it a competitive primary? They're trying to make it a competitive primary, obviously. And they're trying to 
his base, his far right base, uh, those who were angry, those who sued him last year and went to the Texas Supreme Court. But it doesn't appear by the numbers that we're seeing that they're even remotely close. One of the problems that, say, someone like Don Huffines has, he's a former state senator from DFW area, and he, he doesn't have statewide name recognition. And that's the biggest problem that the Democrats forever, and Republicans obviously besides Governor Abbott have, is they don't have strong statewide name recognition. Now, one of the things that's interesting to follow, though, is to see the difference in the polls right now and to see what it turns into on March 1st and see how big that deficit is, the gap is between the Allen West, the Don Huffines, and, and Governor Abbott. But it, it appears right now that these numbers are pretty solid. So talking about name recognition, the Democrats do have the probably highest profile Democrat Texas has seen since maybe Governor Ann Richards. Yeah, Beto O'Rourke running for their nomination, and we expect him to secure that Democratic nomination with no sweat, right? Yeah, Beto O'Rourke is sitting on a 60% approval rating or uh, 60% of the Democratic vote in most recent polls. And I'd say he's clearly the most recognizable statewide, I'd say since Wendy Davis, because Wendy Davis did get significant national coverage uh, on her filibuster of the abortion bill in 2013. So she did have name strong name recognition, but it didn't help her. And, and she got smoked by Governor Abbott by double digits. And so it'll be interesting to see. We're not even there yet, but to see how, how Beto is able to, if Beto is able to get the nomination, the Democratic nomination, how he does against Governor Abbott. But what's interesting now is you can see the two are clearly squaring off already. And in and, and, by virtue of the, the polls being so heavily slanted in their favor, they've already started campaigning against each other. And so Beto O'Rourke has made a great deal of his campaign about the grid, the grid failure in 2021. We are no better prepared for the next bout of severe or extreme weather than we were prior to February 2021. And it's not just me saying it, it's ERCOT saying it, it's the NERC saying it, it's energy and electricity experts. And the subsequent high electric bills that the Texans are paying. Uh, Beto's tried to tag that as the, uh, as the Greg Abbott tax, and that's why we're paying about 20% more for energy. And to offset that, Governor Abbott, during the last freeze we had a, a few weeks ago, uh, did jump on the, the grid as well as saying, look, uh, the moves that we've made and the laws that I've passed have solidified the grid and it's now working and in better shape than it's ever been before. He's trying to directly offset what O'Rourke is campaigning on. Those are their big issues. The border for Governor Abbott and and, uh, jumping on the fact that the grid didn't fail this time are his two big issues. And Beto O'Rourke is clearly going grid, grid, grid. Feels like we'll be seeing those attacks play out on TV, radio, everywhere over the next, what, nine months until we get to November. Along those lines, what we're going to see is interesting. It's already well known what's coming. When they go head to head, at some point, Governor Abbott will undoubtedly have a commercial that's got the videotape of Beto O'Rourke, then presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke, during the debates saying, hell yeah, I'm coming for your AKs and your ARs. And what did Beto tell you he's going to do with your guns? He said, said, hell yeah, he's going to come and take your guns. And Beto is already trying to backtrack from that and, and talk about solidifying Second Amendment rights, but it's very difficult in the state of Texas to get around a statement like that. And Beto made that statement not for a Texas audience. He made it for a national audience while running for president. 
not realizing that years later he'd be running for governor and it, it, it would shadow him. Be interesting to see when they choose to use that video. Imagine a little closer to November. So one of the other races we wanted to talk about was the race for the Republican nomination for Attorney General Ken Paxton running for another term. He's had a little bit of an eventful last two years with FBI investigating allegations that he uh, helped a donor, had several top officials either resign or get fired in the AG's office. So what does that primary look like for Ken Paxton? This is by far the most interesting race that we're looking at on March 1st by far. This is the one that lines up Ken Paxton against uh, George P. Bush. And George P. Bush is currently the land commissioner, the son of Jeb Bush, the grandson of George Herbert Walker Bush, the nephew of George W. Bush. And George P. Bush has always been considered a rising star in the Republican Party of Texas. Speaks Spanish fluently. He's a former teacher. He's a Gulf War vet. He is a, uh, a Trump supporter. Uh, he went against his family supporting President Trump. And that got him a lot of support. He's currently sitting at 25%. Now, Ken Paxton's got 39% of the vote. But what's interesting in the primaries is Ken Paxton's going to need, as all nominees are going to need, they're going to need over 50.1% of the vote. And if they don't get 50.1% of the vote on March 1st, then they'll go to a runoff election against the next highest senator, the next highest candidate. In this case, uh, all the polls are, are directly pointing at George P. Bush. So it would be interesting to see what would happen in the next month after the election, if there is a runoff, to see those two going head to head. And we'll see an interesting debate. We'll see an interesting... Yeah, but Ken Paxton, as you mentioned earlier, is facing a litany of issues. He was indicted prior to winning his first election, his first term. Now, the argument has been made by a lot of people that he almost can't win, but yet his numbers still show, show strong. He can't win because he's now being investigated by the FBI because of eight of his top aides that he handpicked, eight of the top attorneys in his cabinet, turned on him and went to the FBI. Now there's actually a battle going back and forth between the two of them, where Paxton is saying he was blindsided by this. And his attorneys, four of them, have gotten together and said, no, we didn't blindside you. We went to you. And we didn't go to the FBI until after you refused to admit that you are guilty of uh, bribery in this case and uh, abuse of office regarding the Nate Paul situation, the developer in Austin. This is the most interesting one. This is the, the race play out all night. This is the one that most eyes will be on. Uh, the, the other one would be lieutenant governor on the Democratic side. And can you walk us through that race? The race for lieutenant governor, we're basically most likely looking at a rematch of the last election. And it was uh, lieutenant governor Dan Patrick against Mike Collier. Mike Collier is a former CFO for Exxon, and he is now with uh, an auditor for Price Waterhouse Coopers. And he gave... Uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, a, a run for his money, cutting it to, uh, within double digits. A lot of people thought he got the Beto bounce when Beto ran for Senate. Uh, and that's how Collier got, got his numbers. But And he's currently sitting, uh, Mike Collier is sitting at 21% behind uh, Michelle Beckley, a, a state representative, 18%. And Carla Braley, who's at uh, 15%. And Carla is a uh, former Texas Democratic Party worker. So that race should be interesting to see because we're looking at Collier at only 21%. It does look like there'll probably be a runoff of some sort in there. Now, the numbers also show that the one winning that lieutenant governor race on the Democratic side is those who say they're not sure. Forty percent say not sure. So that's where the, the, the top three will be looking to try and get some sort of voter support from the 40 percent right now who currently aren't sure. 
and again, being a statewide office, these aren't big statewide names. So getting statewide recognition is very difficult. That not sure kind of suggests that there's not a lot of name ID, right? Well, that, but 6% uh, responded with uh, never heard of them. So, <laughs> so at least they're just not sure. Uh, on the Republican side, Dan Patrick's sitting on 54%, and Dan Miller is the next closest with four. So we're expecting that race to go uh, to be over early as, as well as the gubernatorial ones. I think all eyes are clearly, as we mentioned earlier, <laughs> are going to be on Attorney General Ken Paxton, because that's generally considered by the Democrats to be the weakness in the, the first attempt in, what, 27 years for the Democrats to win statewide office, because they have not won, I think it's 27 years. A couple of the other candidates in that Republican AG race seem like they might be able to get a little traction, but maybe haven't. Former Texas Supreme Court Justice Eva Guzman hasn't, doesn't seem like she's really caught on. And the congressman from East Texas, Louis Gohmert, is in that race. Is it a little surprising to see a congressman opt for a statewide office yeah. that's not governor? Yeah. That's not common at all. Yeah, you generally go from statewide office to federal. You right. don't do the you don't do it backwards. But it's interesting that that Louis Gomer has thrown his hat in the ring for attorney general. He, he's currently sitting at seven percent. The last I heard of his campaign, he was still trying to make an issue out of talking points about attorney general Paxton having an affair, and so that was his big argument, which was something that came up about a year and a half ago. And so he's trying to rehash some of the old, uh, the mud, the sling at Ken Paxton. But yeah, his numbers are, he and Eva Guzman, uh, they're sitting, she's sitting at 13%, but Ken Paxton's sitting at 39 and he's at 25. So what we're looking at is looking to shape up to be a race between George P. Bush and Paxton. Eva Guzman, uh, I don't think has enough statewide recognition as well. I mean, that's another issue. Now, Louis Gomer does have some statewide recognition and he is, uh, very much supported by the Republican base. So it, it is interesting to see his numbers so low, but he, he also kind of got in this thing late. And so getting into this thing late doesn't help you out in any way, shape or form. And, and the numbers are bearing that out. Are there any other statewide races that we should be paying attention to? Any of the commissioner races that have caught your eye? It's always fun to see what the agriculture commissioner, Sid, Sid Miller, does. He, he could be vulnerable, but he, he's vulnerable to, to the Republican Party, not to the, anyone on the Democratic side. So it, it'll be interesting to see uh, James White, uh, uh, state representative, is the next closest to him in the numbers. And, and uh, so uh, it looks like it is sitting for pretty comfortably right now. The other race I, I thought might be interesting was we mentioned with the new congressional maps, the two new districts. The one in Houston, by redrawing of the maps, it pits two incumbents against each other. And one of them has significant statewide recognition, Dan Crenshaw. And that uh, pits Dan Crenshaw, a Republican against Olivia Garcia, the Democrat, and they're both incumbents. So this one should be interesting to see who actually wins that outright race. But it looks like it'll shape up to be those, those two in the general election. Thanks for the time, Chris. And it sounds like we may be talking to you again ahead of a couple runoffs later this year. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now let's pivot to a couple of the local races here in North Texas. To do that, we talked to Mitch Carr, who will be anchoring KRLD's election night coverage with David Rankin starting Tuesday at 7. All right, Mitch, so we just talked to Chris Fox about some of the big statewide stuff, some of the redistricting, all of those elements that factor into the primaries. But when you zoom in a little bit here in North Texas, first of all, with the new maps, is there anything yeah. that stands out to you in terms of those maps? There were a couple of them that were redrawn that are interesting. I'm looking at, the, for example, 32, which is currently represented by the Democrat Colin Allred, and five, which is represented by Lance Gooden out of Carroll. And they've redrawn that so that a lot of people who were in 32 and I'm one of them, just a full disclosure here, I find myself now in five uh, when it comes to voting. So they've, they've redrawn the map a bit so that five gets into parts of Dallas and Collin counties that uh, used to be uh, 32. Now, whether they go blue or red is another thing, but uh, they have redrawn that. And then Ronnie Jackson out of uh, the Amarillo-Lubbock area, the former White House physician, mm -hmm. Um, who ran for Congress and won. He's now in a district that has been redrawn, if you can imagine this, from Amarillo and the Panhandle. It gets into Denton County. So it's just, it's this long strip that goes from west to east. And there are some people in Denton County who are going, well, wait a minute, <laughs> when is he going to come visit? Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. He's not in any trouble at this point. It's a red district. He's the incumbent. But the fact that it now includes some Denton County voters has people uh, at least raising one eyebrow, if not both. I can't imagine it because I'm one of the residents in that redrawn district, just to give full disclosure, as you did a minute ago. And just to clarify, this was a red district represented by Michael Burgess before the districts were redrawn. They just kind of moved some lines around and Burgess is representing other parts of Denton County. So this is... In a midterm election year, usually a safe year for the party that does not hold the White House. So Republicans uh, are expected to do well in November, but are there any incumbents anywhere, maybe start in Congress, Democrats or Republicans, that have much of a challenge in this primary? Van Taylor in District 3, which is another 
it's been a safe red district for a while, and it's had different numbers when you look back through the years. It's but it's it's District Three now, and you see the signs, and then you hear the commercials uh, running against Van Taylor on the Republican side. These aren't Democrats running anti-Taylor. I saw one sign in a one of those empty lots that's full of political signs caught my eye a week or two ago. Van Taylor is a traitor. And there wow. are uh, there are ads running uh, talking about how he has he's a rhino, Republican in name only, if you haven't heard that before, mm-hmm. well, most of us have. They talk about the fact that he voted for the commission to investigate January 6th. What he voted for, though, was the bipartisan commission that was rejected by that Republican leadership. And he voted against the one that now exists, the I'll call it the Pelosi commission. So there's some wiggling there. Keith Self, perhaps, is the one that gives him the most trouble in terms of name recognition anyway. Keith Self was a Collin County, was the Collin County judge for a while. A lot of new Texans, so it's worth mentioning that a county judge is not a judge in the judicial sense. It's the name given to the the head of the county commissioner's court and the highest ranking elected official in a county. That's Keith Self. Uh, he was that in Collin County. Now he's giving Van Taylor a run, and there are a couple of other names. There are four Republicans running against Van Taylor, which is, you know, uh, it's going to be a red seat almost certainly in November. There are a couple of Democrats who want that job, but uh, it's interesting to see that one. The only other one is really not a loss because it's a safe Democratic district is 30. And that's the Eddie Bernice Johnson uh, seat. I saw a headline just the other, I think it was in the Dallas Morning News that said for the first time, people in District 30 have someone new to vote for <laughs> because it's it's been Ms. Johnson for 30 years. Um, there are, what did I see, are there like nine people running on the Democratic side, and then there are a few people on the Republican side in the primary. Jasmine Crockett, I guess, is the one to really watch because she has Ms. Johnson's endorsement. She's getting a lot of money. Um, she's starting to run ads that you may have seen or heard. So uh, will there be a runoff with nine people? It's hard to imagine there won't be, but uh, we'll see. Just to go back to that county judge thing, I always think that's interesting when I have yeah. friends from out of state closer to the start of the pandemic, when you'd see headlines with county judge does X. And they're like, why are judges making these rules? And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not really the role. But- that's right. And speaking to county judges, we have an open seat in Tarrant County. Um, Glenn Whitley decided to not run again, who, uh, but Betsy Price who is a very well-known name in Tarrant County, and that's well-known by people who support her and those who don't, but she was mayor, she was the tax assessor collector for Tarrant County, and now she wants to be county judge. There are signs up about her calling her a rhino, and there's a push. Tim O'Hare, former mayor of Farmers Branch in Dallas County, moved to Tarrant County and is making a push on the primary side so we'll see how that plays out. But Betsy Price running for Tarrant County Judge. It's going to be interesting. She has the name recognition and the money. We'll see. And she's proven adept at navigating those challenges from the right, though, because she faced a few when she was mayor of Fort Worth, right? Right. Yeah, she did. Uh, she was invited to the White House more than once by President Trump. 
Um, so that helps. I don't, I can't recall if he's endorsed anyone in the Tarrant County judge race. He has endorsed many people across the state, but there are five Republicans and two Democrats in what is an open uh, seat. So we'll see who plays out. Uh, Beverly Powell is a pretty well-known name too. So uh, that's uh, Senate District 10 is another one that's in Tarrant County. It was redrawn. That's the one that ended up in a courtroom in El Paso. And the federal judge panel there said, no, let's, we're not going to do anything yet. So uh, some interesting races, uh, Chris, to, to keep an eye on. Just for people listening to know that those district maps that do get challenged will have their day in court. It just won't be before the primary. It'll probably happen sometime this summer. Yeah, and it's hard. Nobody knows how it's going to play out. But it's hard to imagine that the, that the judge is going to call people back to vote again. Right. You know, and say, no, you can't do that because with the changes in the Voting Rights Act and some other changes in the past few years, it's given the states more leeway to do what they want to do in terms of drawing new maps. Yeah, it's no secret that New York's legislature is redrawing maps that will favor maybe two or three extra Democratic hopefuls uh, trying to get into Congress. So it's, it's not just Republicans. Who, right. Who, it goes who, both who, ways. Like, yeah, yeah. Eldridge Jerry <laughs> has given us something to talk about on both sides of the aisle. One last race I wanted to bring up was the Dallas County District Attorney's race where the incumbent yeah. John Crusoe is kind of facing some pressure from both sides. Well, he is. Uh, Elizabeth Frizzell, who's a former judge, uh, is running against Crusoe on the Democratic primary ballot. Faith Johnson is unopposed on the Republican primary ballot, and she's up for a rematch. And it would be, quite honestly, a rematch if Crusoe were to beat uh, Judge Frizzell, because Crusoe unseated Johnson. She had been appointed to be district attorney. There were some legal issues back in the day with the DA's office, and the governor appointed Faith Johnson. She had the job, ran for a full term. John Crusoe, the Democrat, ran against her, beat her. She would like to be the one that unseats him or Brazil. So uh, it will see. But <laughs> that's a little more interesting than most district attorney races might be. Usually not one that grabs headlines, but in this case, uh, we'll be paying a little bit of attention to it. Yeah, and there's some controversy even among Democrats on some of Crusoe's policies um, in terms of not going after misdemeanor cases and trying to get the jails to be not so overcrowded by not putting everybody in jail just because they jaywalked. I'm overstating the case for effect. <laughs> well, Mitch, uh, you and David Rankin, our afternoon drive anchor, will be uh, anchoring election night coverage on March 1st. Right. You, you enjoy that stuff, don't you? Oh, I do, because it's, I mean, it's one of the great things about this country is that we have a chance to go to the polls and make a difference. People say, well, our vote doesn't count. The turnout in this primary so far, the early numbers are abysmal. Uh, so but we'll see. But you know, here you have a, a chance to have your say. You know, do you want John Crusoe or Elizabeth Frizzell to be the one to meet Faith Johnson? Well, if you're in the Democratic primary, you get a chance to make that decision. And Republicans can decide who runs against uh, Colin Allred in the 32nd the Congressional District, things like that. So it's America at its best. Yeah, these elections with lower turnout, every vote really does matter. We saw something like that in the District 6 special election last yes. year when yes. Jake Elsey was able to upset Susan Wright. 
That's right. Susan Wright was, I mean, there were a lot of folks who expected, well, she's the widow of the former congressman you know, on the name recognition. And here came Jake Elsie, and he's the one who's running for re-election unopposed in District 6. All right, Mitch. Well, we'll look forward to listening to you and David on March 1st. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, my, my pleasure. Thanks, Chris. So remember to listen to KRLD's coverage of the primary elections Tuesday night starting at 7. We'll have reporters keyed in on all the big races in North Texas and complete results online at KRLD.com. Thanks to Chris and Mitch for breaking down the primaries with me. We'll talk to them often ahead of the midterms in November. I'm Chris Blake. I'll talk to you soon. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.